And we're in the 20th Psalm, and um, we're looking at something absolutely vital uh, for us as Christians. So let's just read through the Psalm a little bit more and see what the Lord would have us see from this. Psalm 20, and uh, it's a powerful, powerful Psalm. And just to give you a bit of background, it's a Psalm of David, and it is actually the, the original composition of the psalm was written, um, it's a, 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 a sort of a congregational uh, prayer uh, as David was going into battle. And what they were really doing was praying the protection of God, or the salvation of God, the deliverance of God upon their king. And that's why we pray every Lord's Day service for our Queen. And as I've shared before, there are many who believe that a royal house is actually descended from King David. Um, so it makes it even more pertinent for us to pray for our monarchy. Okay? And let me tell you, our monarchy needs prayer. Because if you look at the history of our monarchy, we've had some good kings, good queens, and we've had some wretches. Amen? You think of the Stuart dynasty. Those that murdered covenanters. Um, and so, we, so, so all it only tells us that we need to pray for our kings, or our queens, or a royal house. And as we even see in the royal house right now, there's a few dubious characters. So, but folks, it's on us to pray. That's why we do it every, every Sunday. So let's keep doing that. So anyway, the Lord hear thee in the day of trouble, the name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Okay? There's no doubt we're in a day of trouble. There's no doubt as we look across the nations. I, I was looking even this morning, and it was saying in one of the news items, uh, some retired general or whatever, was saying that there is a very real danger of Putin pressing the nuclear button very soon. And, you know, you say, well, that's just scaremongering. No, it's not. It's looking at situations on planet Earth and saying, we're in a time of trouble. We're in the day of trouble. And it's not just things, uh, the threat of war, wars, rumors of wars. There's, we've had plague. We're, we're in the middle now of famine, shortages. Um, I can tell you right now, and, and I'm, not, I'm not being controversial when I say this, but, but I have inside information on it that they are deliberately creating shortages in the supermarkets. Okay? They're doing it. And what's more, the folks that work in the supermarkets know they're doing it because they see it happening and they're not happy. So, plague, famine, war, and then of course death, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So don't tell me we're not in a day of trouble, folks. But what does it say? This is the good news. The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. Okay? That means we have a God who is not disinterested, not aloof. He hears our cries. He hears our prayers. And so if you're not praying, how do you expect him to hear you? The Lord hear thee in the day of trouble. And not just hear thee, folks. The name of the God of Jacob, defend thee. God is at hand to defend us. And, you know, it's not that he's away up high, 
you know, light years away, he is ever with us. And the Bible tells us he's not just with us, it's not just Emmanuel, it's Christ in us. He lives in us, the hope of glory. So you will never face a day of trouble in your life where you don't have the presence of God to face it with. And that's the good news. Yeah, just like they prayed, this is, this is the, the congregation praying for David because David's about to get into battle and they're saying, the Lord hear thee. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee. Before we depart this building today, we need to know that as we go, and you need to know, your pastor has spoke this over you. Amen? We need, we need that. We, now, we already have it, but we need to hear it. Amen? Every one of you has got a Bible. You don't need to come to church to hear the Bible, but you come because you want uh, the blessing of such good preaching. Amen? Naturally. But folks, we need to hear it time and time again. We need to tell it to ourselves. God is my defender. God is my protector. God is my strength. Amen. And then it says, verse 2, Send thee help from the sanctuary and strengthen thee out of Zion. That's why we come to church. Because this is the sanctuary. And I know it's speaking about the heavenly sanctuary. And I know it's speaking about the heavenly Zion. He's speaking about the heavenly realms. But every true church on earth is an outpost of the sanctuary or the Zion of God. We are God's people. We are the Zion of God. As it says, we are the people. And that doesn't mean we are the ranger supporters. Amen. It means we are the people of God, the sheep of his pasture. So send the help for the sanctuary. That's why we come to church, because we come into the sanctuary to encourage one another, to worship him, to be in his presence, and to hear marvelous preaching. Amen. Isn't it glorious words? So send thee help from the sanctuary. Heaven will send you help when you need it. Strengthen you out of Zion. There's a realm that we don't see. It's invisible to us with our natural eyes. You can look right now and you don't see the realm of heaven with your natural eyes. But you can see it with the eyes of faith. You can know right now that there's a throne and God is on that throne. That great old chorus. God is still on the throne and he will remember his own. God has not forgotten you or I, brothers or sisters. Amen. God is in the business of blessing us, of preserving us, of delivering us. But it's just like every other relationship. If we neglect that, then we won't get the blessings of it. Your men, if you neglect your wives, you won't get a nice breakfast. You won't get your clothes washed. <laughs> Amen. Uh, women, if you neglect your husband, you won't get flowers every day. Amen. Sorry if I put pressure on you, David. But... but it's true, isn't it? We have to have a relationship. And, and you know, you don't just say, well, they know how I feel. You can't say, well, the Lord knows how I feel. That's why it's, a, it's not a religion. We're not here for religion. We're here for relationship. We're here because of relationship. So any help, any strength we get is because we spend time with him. And we maintain our part of that. You know, 
He, has, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. His end isn't the problem. It can be our end. Amen. Remember all thy offerings and accept thy burnt sacrifice. But what he's saying here is, and this is Old Covenant, but we could say he rem God remembers the things that we have done for him, the things that we've sacrificed. Maybe you, you had to leave a friendship because you knew that friendship wasn't pleasing to God. Maybe you had to quit doing something, give it up for Jesus. And so he remembers that. Why? Because it's a relationship. Now, it's not that we try to impress God with our works, but he does reward us. You know, he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that seek him. God will reward you for the... What did he say? He said, if you even give a cup of cold water to somebody in my name, you've given it to me, and you'll be rewarded. Amen? And that little word there, Salah, means to pause in his presence and think on that. Uh, it's not just some wee addition to the verse. There are certain times in the Psalms where it says Salah, and it, the Lord wants us to stop and ponder. But what it means is there's a deeper meaning. So uh, be encouraged to look at these verses. Now, then it says, Grant thee according to thine own heart, and fulfill all thy counsel. What he's saying here is, again, it's all the product or the fruit of relationship. If you're in right relationship with him, walking in fellowship with him, then you can pray whatever you want and it will be yours. Jesus said that. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. If you ask the Father anything, it's yours. Fulfill all thy counsel. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying it really, your plans will come to fruition. A lot of us have plans, great schemes, plans, but sometimes we think, well, they're not coming to anything. But, you know, if you're walking with him, and, you know, this psalm is an encouragement to us to walk with him. We will rejoice in thy salvation, and the name, in the name of our God we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. He's just saying the same. And, you know, we've got a nice banner up there. Let Glasgow flourish. Amen. Let Glasgow flourish. We've put up a banner by the preaching of your word and the praising of your name. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. That there is there to remind us of the city motto and of the thinking behind it, which is Glasgow can only prosper, thrive, and flourish in the Lord, not by human endeavor. And you know what Glasgow's trouble is right now? There are many people who, they come up with, Glasgow's miles better, people make Glasgow. Let me just say this to you, that's rubbish. The Lord makes Glasgow. Or else Glasgow's not worth having. And a lot of people out there, they reject that, they don't like it, and they just reduce it to let Glasgow flourish. Let Glasgow flourish. Folks, let's not forget the rest of it. By the preaching of his word and the praising of his name. Amen. And if St. Mungo was the guy that that came up with that uh, motto, then he understood. A lot of cities were built for different reasons, commercial reasons and so on. But Glasgow was built to be a place where God's name was praised and his word was preached. Then we'll get into this year. This is what I really want to speak about this morning. Um, and I don't, it's not going to take just this morning. This is going to be 
an ongoing thing and, and really ties in with the blood as we'll see. Uh, now know I that the Lord saveth his anointed. He will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. The saving strength of God's right hand. And I want us to look at the right hand of God. This is going to be something that, that really we're going to go deep into, not just today, but ongoing. The right hand is such an important thing. The right hand of God is such an important scriptural message for us. Now, for millennia, many thousands, you know, thousands of years, man has practiced a solemn rite known as a blood oath or blood covenant. When we talk about the New Testament and the Old Testament in our Bibles, that word testament is just another word for the word covenant. There was an old covenant that was made with the children of Israel at Mount Sinai through Moses, the giving of the law. And there was a new covenant, Jesus said, that was in his blood. Amen. And we have the Old Testament, the New Testament. We have the different books of the Bible in those different eras. And they're both blood covenants. And they are all part of the Abrahamic covenant, which is another blood covenant. When God covenants, he does so in blood. As and, and societies of old understood the blood covenant. And we're going to look at that, we're going to get into it, we're going to understand it. Because the reason we are is because it says the saving strength of his right hand. The right hand is the hand that men make covenant with. Amen? And that's so important to understand. Covenant is not just being pals. When you're in covenant with someone, a blood covenant, it's a lot deeper than just my mate, my buddy, my pal. So when we sing what a friend we have in Jesus, like we did this morning, we're not singing Jesus is my buddy. We're not singing Jesus is my best pal. Or, you know, Jesus is my mate. And a lot of people, they do that, don't they? They try, oh, Jesus, uh, you know, the big man up there and all that. I can't stand all that. That's irreverent. I have a prominent leader. And if I mentioned this person, more important, if I mentioned his title, his office that he walks in, you'd be shocked. Ah, the big man. The big man up there. You know, ha, ha, ha. Oh, I can't stand that. Because it doesn't mean Jesus is your buddy in the sky. Friend is a covenant term. And when we talk about friendship, well, let's get into it. Uh, a blood oath or blood covenant is the most sacred and binding of relationships. And when they did it in ancient times, it would involve cutting. The Hebrew word for covenant literally means to cut. Brit is the Hebrew word. And ish is man, so British means covenant man. Just a wee, a wee mini sermon there. Britain means covenant land. Because that word Brit is the word to cut and be in covenant with someone. You don't have covenants, biblically really, without there being uh, blood with it. 
It would mean to cut yourself in the hand and to clasp hands with the one you were covenanting with. So when, when we have a handshake, that came from the covenant. So what you would do, and we've seen this in all these Western films, haven't we? Where they do the blood brother thing with the Indians and all that sort of thing. And what they do is they take a knife and they cut the hand, normally the hand or the wrist. And the other covenant partner would do the same. And then they clasp hands. See, we talk about a handshake because we watered it down. But the original was a hand clasp or a hand fast. And that's what they do in some of these older, which uh, Celtic wedding ceremonies, don't they? They take the hands of the, the groom and the hands of the bride and they tie something round them to signify they're one. Now, they don't cut each other <laughs> in the wedding, but they, they, they did do it in the older uh, societies. And what you do is you take your bloody hand and the other person put their bloody hand or wrist and they put them together and they would mingle the blood. And it would mean my blood is now in your veins, your blood is now in my veins. And somebody else would come along and they would tie something, a cord or something round as they stood. And then they would pronounce the blessings and the, the curses of covenant on each other. So thank God that every time we come into church and we shake someone's hand, we don't have to cut our hands. But you need to understand the handshake is that watered down thing. And I've had it, I'm sure you have too. You ever met somebody who won't shake your hand? And it's not because they don't like you, but some people have this thing, and, and it can be a bit offensive. But you understand it now, that some people won't shake hands with just everybody. They'll only shake hands with the people they know are their friends. You know, we, we go around shaking hands. Politicians do it, kissing babies, shaking hands. We water it down and we make it a glib and casual thing, but this is where it came from, as covenant. Now, both of them had cut each other. You were mingling the blood. His blood was flowing into your veins and vice versa. And this indicated you were blood brothers. There's a great old John Wayne film. And it's from the book by Louis Lemur, Hondo. And it's a great wee story. And there's a wee boy and, and his mum, his dad's dead. And his mum and, and, and him live away out where all the Indians are, and the Indians are uprising. So the Indians come to her house one day, and the wee boy runs out, the chief's there, and he's feared. Vittorio is name. And the wee boy runs out, and I think he tries to shoot him. So all these Apache warriors, Apaches, they're all laughing. But this man, Vittorio, grabs the wee boy, and he cuts the wee boy's hand, he cuts his own hand, and he says, she's my brother. Because he's so impressed with this wee boy, wanting to defend his mum. And so this wee boy becomes the blood brother of Vittorio. And wherever he goes, if there are Apaches, they, if they know about it, they don't get near the wee boy. And if somebody tells him, because on one occasion somebody went, I think they could kill him or hit him, and someone says, he's Vittorio's blood brother in the man because he was in covenant with the Apache chief. And you know, and it happened to, uh, 
to Livingston and Stanley, I believe. Um, they were get, uh, one of them, I can't remember the story, but Stanley. I think it was Stanley. Stanley was away to seek Livingston in Africa. And he kept getting all his stuff in it everywhere he went. And someone says to him, you need to make covenant with the chief. And that way, nobody will touch your stuff. That's what he did. Because those ancient cultures, they understand that if you're in blood with someone, if you're a blood brother of someone, no one dares come near you. And folks, that ought to electrify us because we are in covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood is upon us. Amen? That's why we sing about the blood. That's why we get so excited about the blood. Because it doesn't just cleanse us from sin. It doesn't just buy us back to God. It stands as a witness and testimony in the spirit realm that we are blood brothers with the Son of God. And, and we're in blood covenant with God through him. So, we use the, the phrase... It was commonly regarded blood brothers was a, a bond stronger even than a brotherhood from a shared womb. Now, we all know family ties and we all know that genetics and you're so close to your family. Amen? Unless you've got a dysfunctional family, <laughs> which a lot of people have. But normally speaking, you know, when someone... I mean, you know, I remember as a boy fighting with my sister all the time. But if anybody came near me, my sister, and, and I was the same, that if anybody would say to them, even if I wasn't talking to her, anybody touched my sister, I battered them. And she battered people that came near me. My sister was fearsome. Because you've got that bond, haven't you? But blood covenant brothers, are the, the covenant, the bond between blood covenant, covenant bonds are stronger than shared milk from your mother's breast. Blood is thicker than water, we call we say. But in the eastern realms, they say blood is thicker than milk. And you say, well, what does that mean? It means that a blood covenant brother is closer to you than your own brother from your mother's womb. And the Bible says there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And it's not talking about a buddy or a mate, it's talking about a covenant friend. That's the relationship we have with Jesus. So when it says, he will hear you from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand, he's talking about that covenant bond. Now, let me just say this to you. It's very simple. It's very simple. When Jesus hung on that cross, his hands were nailed there and blood flowed. And that was the covenant blood. So with the saving strength of his right hand, both hands were nailed and covenant blood flowed. And so it's so important that we understand this. This word friend means a covenant term. It's from this practice of bloody hand clasping that we get the much-diluted modern handshake. Also, back then, if you made a covenant or you swore an oath, you would do it with your right hand. Okay, we still do that today. The right hand is the covenant hand. It is the right hand and arm that you swear with. 
The practice of lifting your right hand in court while swearing an oath is to demonstrate that you're a covenant man or woman. What do we do in court? We put our left hand in the Bible and we lift our right hand, don't we? We lift our right hand. With our left hand on this book, we lift our, I swear by Almighty God to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So the right hand is, is a sacred thing. And there are other meanings of it that we're going to look at. It's the right hand and arm that you swear with, the practice of lifting your right hand. And in court, while swearing an oath, what does it tell the judge? What does it tell everyone in that court? That you are a person of your word. That you are a person who, whose word is your bond. And that you are a covenant man or woman. In olden days, you would lift your hand to show any witness that you had covenant scars. Sometimes when you cut the covenant, the people, and you, 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 you cut your hand, people would place a dye in it or gunpowder. Okay? And that, and that wouldn't go away. It wouldn't, it wouldn't wash away. It would stay in the wound as a covenant mark. And what that meant was if you went into an area where uh, you were maybe in danger, but you were in covenant with somebody, and someone says to you, what are you doing here? And you lifted your hand. And you said, I'm in covenant with so-and-so. On you go. You've got safe passage. So covenant is a big, big thing. And so the right hand is a big, big thing in Scripture. Now, it was common to scar a finger by cutting it all around. Okay? And it's from this practice we get the modern day equivalent of a wedding band. They would take maybe one of the, the, the fingers and they would put a cut all the way around. It would be a permanent mark, a permanent scar. And folks, whilst I don't like saying your wedding band is <laughs> a permanent scar, it's there to signify covenant. You know, a lot of people don't like taking their wedding bands off, do they? Even, you know, to, to go to bed or, you know, they just don't like taking them off because it's a covenant thing. And, you know, covenant love, covenant promises, covenant oath. Uh, I have to say, probably women understand that better than men. And that, it's sad that that's the case. Um, but women understand that it's a forever thing, isn't it? It's not, I'll be married to you as long as you don't lose your hair, put on weight, amen? It's till death do us part, because it's covenant. So anyway, to raise your right hand in a self-deprecatory oath, what we need to understand about that, just we'll, we'll close with this, because we're going to keep looking at the right hand with the saving strength of his right hand. It's not just a nice way of putting it He's telling us, I'm in covenant with you. My blood was shed, and it's an eternal thing. Our relationship will never be broken because I'm in covenant. And I gave my blood. And I put the marks on my hand. You know, Jesus could have had those holes in his hand healed after he rose. You ever thought, why, why, that? why did he go to Thomas, put your finger in the, the hole? 
Because for eternity, Jesus has covenant marks in his hand. Amen? So that, you know, eons from now, he'll still be our covenant brother. But when we, when we do that, when we do that oath, or, or, uh, mostly in court, but other times as well, you know, people say, you swear in the Bible. I'm not saying we should do that. But when we put our left hand in the Bible and we lift our right hand, and we swear, what that means is we, we, we pronounce a self-deprecatory oath on ourselves. And what that means sim simply is this. If I'm not telling the truth, let me be cursed. Okay? That, we don't use those words, but that's what it means. That symbol of doing that. It's to show all witnesses that we are a covenant partner of God. When we do it as Christians, I remember giving testimony in a court case once and having to do that. And I tell you right now, I was, the fear of God was on me. Because you know that way, you don't want to say anything that isn't accurate. You don't want to give testimony that you think, well, did he say that or did he say that? And what if I get it wrong? And, you know, and, and when you're giving testimony, sometimes you, you do it and you maybe want to please somebody. Or you do it on someone's behalf. So you, but you, but you are swore, swearing before Almighty God to give your version of the truth, as in what you recall. So, you know, if you if you are a Christian, it's far more, I think, binding on you when you do that in court. But it is binding on everybody. And of course, the penalty is of perjury. It's not just perjury. You could go to jail. I believe that if you deliberately lie in court, then you are, of course, pronouncing a curse on yourself. So it will not go well with thee. Anyway, um, it's so important for us to understand that what he's saying here is that he saves us. He hears us. And he does it with the saving strength of his right hand. What it means is, it's not just because we got his attention. He was in a good mood that day. He wanted to hear from somebody that day. No, it means that we are guaranteed he will hear us and defend us. Because we are in covenant with him. The Lord bless you folks.